just thought you should, is this not, there we go, um, that uh, you should know that so you can be praying for him. It's really hard to be in Hawaii. I survived. I just want to make sure that Pastor Bill does as well. And, you know, a much, much earned time away. And, and his wife, Donna, serves as a hospice chaplain. And just the time that they can go and be renewed and be in prayer for them. Um, you will be missed, but I know that you'll be blessed there. It's a wonderful place to be. So, the last couple of weeks, we've been in a series. And I'm wondering how you're doing. Because you've had very specific challenges, and I've heard from some of you, which I have loved getting feedback as to how you're doing. How is the silence coming? You're silent now. You're practicing it well. How is the silence coming? Can't turn your brain off. Anybody have that problem? Wow, almost 100%. That's why it's called a spiritual discipline or a spiritual practice, because it's hard. It's hard, and for many of us, we've never tried it before. And so it's really tough. I encourage you to keep trying. Keep trying. It's okay. God already knows. He knows, and He loves that you're trying. I would encourage you, one of the ways to work on this is to focus on something. I tend to focus on Jesus' face in my mind. Just looking at him and just that kind of intense looking at his eyes, it gives me something. I can't sit there and, and empty my brain. I don't even think that's necessarily a good idea. Just to sit in a white well, I walked right into that one. Jeremy, you laugh first. He says, I know you. I've known Jeremy since he was in fifth grade. <laughs> so he, he was... My son, Robert's best man, so this is why we can bar like this. But it's not a good idea to try to think nothing, because then thoughts can come in that are not of God, frankly. But to spend time gazing at his face, at, at God's face, to spend time perhaps thinking about a phrase in Scripture. Scripture is a good thing to think about. I often will, will use the words, thy will be done. When I can't close off my mind, I'll repeat that until I can. So those are some, some helps maybe that, that, that doesn't come from me. That comes from pastors and monks for thousands of years that have tried to teach us that this is important. Okay, second one, fasting. Anybody fast this week? No. <laughs> We're recovering Presbyterians. We do not fast. <laughs> you fasted. And how did that go? I mean, was it a blessing for you? I mean, I'm sure you could make it through it. <laughs> it was hard. It, it's a blessing. Just just knowing that you're doing it is a blessing. And, and it wasn't just food. Those of you that missed last week, it was fasting. It's not from food. From criticism. From worry. From whatever it is. That, that God would put on your heart. So today, we have a new one. And I had warned you this would be a challenging series, and I'll live up to that, I think. So last Sunday, those of you that were here, the sermon started in a little unusual way. Do you remember? The vipers. Talking about the vipers. You brood of vipers! That's how it started. 
remember? And we talked about John the Baptist, who was really nailing the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and then along comes Jesus to be baptized. And so that passage set the stage for what was to come. And then he went into the wilderness. Now, I am preaching again from the Gospel of Matthew, and I want to set the stage a little further. So once he comes from the wilderness, he begins his ministry. And over the chapters between last week and this week, he walks on water. He heals the blind, particularly the several healings of the blind. He casts out demons. He preaches a lot between then and now. And he is beginning to draw some very major crowds in his ministry. And so people are talking about him a lot. And that's where we are when we come to this particular passage. So would you stand, please, in honor of God's Word? Coming to his hometown, he began teaching the people in their synagogues, and they were amazed. Where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers, they asked? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Aren't all his sisters here with us? Where then did these men, this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown and in his own house is a prophet without honor. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. So ends the reading of God's word, and you may be seated, please. Okay, so the series is We See Sacrifice. My question for you is, what did Jesus sacrifice in this passage? The first week he sacrificed his divine position. The second week he sacrificed his whole life, the 30 years ahead of that, to do God's will. What in this passage does he sacrifice? Honor. Another word I would use is approval. He sacrifices the approval of his hometown. He sacrifices the approval of his family. His brothers didn't believe in him. We know this from Scripture. Mark 3, 21 to 20 to 21. Then Jesus entered a house. And again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. Can you imagine taking charge of Jesus? Went to take charge of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. John 7, verse 5, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. Can you imagine what it was like having Jesus as your brother? ultimate oldest child. Ultimate. Is this the first time he was rejected by his hometown? Do you remember in Scripture, in the Gospel of Luke, that he comes to his hometown and he reads Scripture in the synagogue, and the reading of the day is this, from Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim 
the year of the Lord's favor. And then he says, today you have seen this prophecy fulfilled in their midst. Was their reaction joy? No, it says they were furious. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. That's pretty extreme rejection. They didn't pull it off. Plain sight. He walked right through the crowd. Their reaction? Who do you think you are? You're just Joseph's son. You're just Mary's son. We know you're brothers and sisters. You're nothing. this was for him. 30 years he's lived in this town. I imagine him to be a very, very good boy. He was sinless. Can you imagine what it's like to have a sinless child? I can't. I can't imagine what it's like to have I have real children. I, I'm, I'm a real parent that struggles with parenting, and I have real sons. And I can tell you, they would not measure up to Jesus as a child. I'm quite sure. I, I remember Alan, and, and I have permission to share this. It's, a, it's such a fun story. When Alan was in preschool, he's my middle son. You know how you go to the program, right? And you're there, you're there with all the other parents, and you're like, hey, kids, that was my, that's my daughter right there. And, and you're just chatting, right? And you're around the room, and... Children are sitting perfectly in their chairs and, you know, behaving. And you dress them up for the day because you want to see what's the part. Because it matters what those other parents think. Doesn't it? It matters. So we're sitting. Actually, parents are all standing. Kids are sitting. Teacher is talking. On and on and on and on. Talking about the kids. Talking about the curriculum. Talking about this. Parents are just saying, shifting their weight, one to the other. She took a breath. Alan said, Would you please just get on with it? I don't know that child. I was mistaken, the one I pointed to. You've had those moments, haven't you, with your kids? It's like, I want to drop in a hole. Every parent's going, yes! But I was still embarrassed, and the teacher, the teacher was great. She went, oh, 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 yes, well, and she finished. <laughs> so it, 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 it was good, but it was like, I wanted to die because it mattered to me. What these parents thought of me, because then all of a sudden I was a bad mother. I was a bad mother. You do that. I was a bad mother. It was not. But I felt like a bad mother. I, I do have that imperfect children, and I'm just going to confess right now because we're talking about accountability. So I'll be accountable to you because you can pray. My children aren't perfect. I'm sorry to tell you that. They're not perfect. I know, I know I, I'm supposed to have perfect children. I'm standing up here preaching. I'm supposed to have perfect children. I don't. My children, not all of them, but some of them, celebrated the legalization of marijuana. Oh, my goodness. My children, not all of my children attend church. Not all of my children believe in chastity and sinfulness. Oh, my 
gospel of children than on purpose? It's possible, and my friends can be argumentative. They can be lazy. They can be stubborn. And I love them without question. I pray for them. I'm proud of them. But they're not perfect. Jesus, however, was. And so we come to this passage, and in one fell swoop, he just basically says, it doesn't matter. Prophets, this is what they deal with. They're without honor at home. They're without honor. It doesn't matter. Because the only approval I need is my Heavenly Father. And if my Heavenly Father tells me to do something you don't approve of, it's not my problem. It's not my problem. How do we follow that example? How do we do that? I have a book in my office called The Disease to Please. I got it through my chaplain machine. And I struggle with this. I struggle with wanting approval. I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better at it. But nevertheless, when someone criticizes, when someone leaves me a little note in my box and tells me that they don't approve of something, or when somebody tells somebody else who tells somebody else who then it gets back to me, it's like, ow. When someone leaves the church, Should I change what I'm doing if I feel I'm doing what God asked me to do? We are so driven by approval. Our whole culture tells us we need to fit in. We need to need that approval. That's where they sell us stuff. That's the way our values get messed up. If we are focusing on others' approval rather than on God's approval only. Verse 54, where did this man get this wisdom and these miraculous powers? Where did he get these things? Notice, they don't deny that he has them. They don't deny that he has wisdom. They don't deny that he has power. Where did he get it? And the implication here is he didn't get it from God. The word, when it says that they were offended, is the same word that is ba- the base of scandalize. And in the Greek, the scandalize means they're scandalized because he is probably doing something immoral or doing something absolutely contrary to God. So when they're saying, where did you get this? The implication is it's not from God. That's a really tough how much faith, the consequence, Jesus was unable to do many miracles because of their lack of faith. This is not today's sermon, okay, but it's one maybe in the future. How much faith do we have? What miracles can he do for us? That's always an interesting one to look at for each one of us. Jesus sacrificed approval of people because his focus was living out his purpose and pleasing his Father. How about for us? I I looked up this one list. I like this list. Most common reasons for not sharing the gospel. Ready? I mean, I could ask you, why don't you share the gospel if you don't? 
and, and you would reject it. I mean, it's going to come down to approval, isn't it? So these are, the, these are the ones. Some of them are just plain excuses, and some of them you will see how important approval is to all of us. Number one, I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Anybody too busy share the gospel? I'm, I'm sure we all are. We're really busy. I don't have the gift of evangelism. I don't have that gift. Therefore, I'm off the hook. Wait, Great Commission? Same for everyone. That's my pastor's job. I think you use that one a bit. I think you use that one a bit. I don't know the Bible well enough. What is the fear there? What is the fear there? I don't know the Bible well enough. The fear is, I'll look foolish. I'll be caught not knowing the answers. Disapproval. I might lose my job. That's a very real fear in the secular world. Very real fear. But it's still approval-based. I might lose customers from my business. My spouse gives me a hard time about it. The approval of the spouse more than following God. I want people to see how I live my life first. How long is that going to take? <laughs> I have too many chores to do. I only share my faith with people who ask me about it. I've fallen into that one before. But I want to earn permission. Still approval. I don't want to alienate people. I'm afraid people won't like me. I can lose my friends. I don't feel led to do that. I just have to leave it to those who feel led. How much does approval matter? Is approval of others so important that you sacrifice God's approval? Because here's the thing. If you go for God's approval, I mean, if you say, oh, I don't need your approval, I don't need your approval. That doesn't give me license to do things that are not pleasing to God. Okay? I have to go for God's approval. Hope and blunder. Why don't we greet strangers? Why don't we greet strangers? Why, why don't we ask people to church? Why, why don't we reach out to those who are unlike us? Why don't we reach out to friends and family that we know are struggling? And share the hope of Christ with them. Why? Why don't we reach out to unlovable people? It comes down to a feeling of inadequacy and a feeling of inadequacy of people in this world. Jesus sacrificed that approval. He sacrificed the respect. It doesn't matter. What matters is my father's approval. That's the key life. If I have God's approval, I don't need to worry about anything else. So hard. I'm not minimizing how tough this is. I'd like to share with you a video clip. It's from a movie that came out a couple of years ago based on a true story. And this is the story. It's the movie of The Blind Side, if you've seen it. And this woman, Leanne, reaches out to this really huge African-American boy 
who was not intelligent and who has nothing to offer to the homeless. And uh, he says, he's massive. His name is Mike. Mike. And she brings him into her home. She is a very affluent woman with country club friends. And this is how the friends react. Does Michael get the family discount at Taco Bell? Because if he does, Sean's going to lose a few stores. <laughs> He's a good kid. Well, I say you make it official and just adopt him. <laughs> uh, he's going to be 18 in a few months. doesn't really make much sense to legally adopt. Leanne, is this some sort of white guilt thing? What will your daddy say? Um, before or after he turns over in his grave? Daddy's been gone five years, Elaine. Make matters worse, you were at the funeral. Remember? You wore Chanel in that awful black hat. Look, here's the deal. I don't need y'all to approve my choices, all right? But I do ask that you respect them. You have no idea what this boy's been through, and if this is going to become some running diatribe, I can find an overpriced salad a lot closer to home. Man, I'm so sorry. We didn't intend to... We didn't, really. I think what you're doing is so great. To open up your home to him, honey, you're changing that boy's life. No. He's changing my... He's changing mine, she says. And it's too bad the clip isn't about 30 seconds longer because that's not where it ends. They, they ask about, the friends ask about the safety of the teenage daughter. Do you sure this is okay? And she ends up walking out of the lunch and walking away from the party. Are we willing to do that? To do what God is calling us to do? I would find that hard. I would find that hard, but that's what drives us so often. To pursue this. That's right rather than that of God. Paul struggled. The Apostle Paul. In Galatians, he's wrestling with criticism about him versus Peter versus Apollos. And he writes, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I think I better read that again. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. I told you it's a bad Are we willing? Are we willing to sacrifice approval of people to seek the approval of God? Are we willing to be politically incorrect? Are we willing to be morally firm in a culture that says, nah? Are we dedicated to living a life pleasing to Christ more than a life simply to fit in to society? Why sacrifice people's approval? You know? I want to 
want to share a couple of brief stories about my sons. And I love my sons. And these sons that I struggle with have been pretty hard on at times. And they don't like it. They don't like it. They, they bristle. Because I do hold firm to certain things. And they tell me, oh, my friends think that you're this and this. It doesn't matter. I have a choice in my home. Whether marijuana is legal or not, not in my home, etc. Two things. One of those sons said to me about two months ago, he said, you know what, Mom, listen, I don't know this. You are one of the most moral people I have ever met in my life. If more Christians were like you, there would be no Christians. I'm not telling you that because I do everything right, because I don't. I don't. But let me tell you something, Reverend Sandra, that was to keep on holding a hard line. Second son told me about an encounter with a paranormal. This this is so funny because I can just see me. I'm like, you guys have a nice day. <laughs> you guys have a nice, you know, go, go back to business. He engaged them. He engaged them. They, they, it was just fun. And I said, well, what did you say to him? He said, we got into quite the debate, Mom. Okay, but what was the debate? And he said, well, they were talking about the Book of Mormon and saying, if Christians were more dedicated to prayer and they truly connected with Christ and with God, serving Him, being in the Word of God, they would know that the Book of Mormon is true. Sophisticated little argument. My son said, My mother prayed a lot. And she served Christ with all she had. She said, The Book of Mormon is false. And I believe in it. my successes. I have to say, and I do not want to be on a pedestal because, boy, have I fallen many times. But I share those with you because of how meaningful they were to me. It, it was such an eye-opener how my children are watching me. How they are watching me and how friends watch us and how co-workers watch us. And when we seek their approval and we compromise Would you pray with me, please? Lord God. Wow. It is it is hard. Everything around us tells us we need to be approved of by culture and by people. And Lord, it's not true. We need to seek your approval. And then we can be sure that our life is a good one. Lord, help us to be focused on you. Help us to care 
whether we are pleasing Him. Whether He loves us and we praise Him in Jesus' name. Amen.